Hey everybody, Jace here. Real quick before we get started, I just wanted to ask you a huge favor. If you follow me on Twitter, you know I've been embarrassing myself on a weekly basis for this Bad Idea Fan Cup, and there is a tweet that is pinned to my profile on Twitter, and I just need you to go and like it. It literally will take you know 10 seconds to open up Twitter, type in twitter.com forward slash the comic source, and just like the video. Uh, if you want to retweet it, that's cool too. Um, but no quote t- tweets because it, I really just need the likes. So I appreciate everybody. Here's the episode. Hope you enjoy it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Comic Source Podcast. I'm your host, Chase. This is a crowdfund spotlight. Back to uh, talking about some Zoof projects. My guest today is Craig Rasmussen. Uh, he's experienced in self-publishing graphic novels. He's an art coach. Uh, he's demonstrated a history of working in comics and illustration and story. And so he's here today to talk to us about his uh, upcoming Zoop campaign for Odds and Ends, book one and two. So I'm excited to learn all about it. Craig, thanks for joining me. Chase, thanks for having me, and thanks for being the first person to nail my last name. Oh, fantastic. Uh, so uh, for those that aren't familiar with your work, um, you know, you you write and you illustrate. They both tell stories. Uh, you've been doing it for a long time. What is it about this medium that drew you to it? I mean, was it something that you always wanted to do, interested in telling stories both narratively and visually? Yeah, I think I'm basically just plagued by a million ideas for stories. So uh, then that, you know, coupled with a a definite just passion for drawing, I think those two things uh, really combined to make this the perfect career. For a lot of times, I thought uh, for a long time, I thought it was film, but I actually realized that that's extremely prohibitive in a number of ways to get involved with uh, financially just for starters, you know, and uh, making comics yourself is kind of like making big budget movies, you know, without the budget on paper. And a lot of times I think you can get better results personally more original results especially so how long i mean was this desire to become a storyteller whether you know film or tv or movies or or comics was it something you aspired to from a very young age did you always love story collect comics that that sort of thing yeah i mean uh my favorite origin story to tell is the one where i realized that comic books was a job and that was when i was about 12 years old met a new friend in a new neighborhood when i just moved into a new house and uh you know it was really bummed because i left all my friends behind and then as soon as this guy took me into his bedroom and showed me his 14 long boxes full of just you know unbroken continuity of the x-men and all you know is an era of jim lee just you know and tom mcfarlane and spider-man um just before the image era and all that you know immediately happened thereafter it was a, a pretty you know inspirational period of my life and uh once i realized that you could just sit down and draw as work you know it, it definitely stuck with me as a bug and I made uh, some fairly lame and definite carbon copy comics when I was a kid. You know, I created characters. One was like an absolute ripoff of Spawn. Uh, I'm not ashamed to admit it. You know, one had uh, the name of one of the streets in my neighborhood, which I won't share because it was ridiculous. But it was just, you know, I just coming, just grasping at straws, trying to put anything on paper that I could. Um, you know, and, and like many people, obviously, you know, life takes you in different directions. And I moved away from it. I just head towards film a little bit and messed around with that in my early 20s. And 
you know, pretty quickly though, I realized how much I love to draw and how much I missed it and how much drawing kind of keeps me sane. Right on. Well, you've, uh, you've published in a variety of, of formats and, and different projects over the years. This, uh, Zoop campaign, it seems like kind of a, a culmination of all that, of, of bringing together these stories, which, you know, maybe some of your fans or s- some others, uh, listeners may have, uh, read, you know, a story here or there or seen your name, sounds familiar, that sort of thing. But this really seems like you're pulling in like a, a large body of your work. And I, I'm especially curious what has me most interested to check it out. In the description on Zoop, it, it talks about kind of this semi-cohesive narrative, like all these stories take place in the same universe or there, there's tangential connections. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, sure. I mean, the, the biggest, uh, you know, t- uh, excuse me, the biggest unifying factor is actually my science fiction vision. I like to I'm kind of starting to think in the last couple of days of this as the seeds of science fiction for me, um, because when I look back at things that were done informally, there's a you know, an Alice in Wonderland scene adaptation in there that is basically set in a very futuristic place, uh, a futuristic city. And it's kind of, it's called Wunderland, um, you know, just with the hard German pronunciation. And when I look at that, and then I look at Technopolis, the book that I am working on now that I just put an uh, early edition out of, the city design is identical. So it's like the the vision, which is, I mean, I'm not going to lie, heavily influenced by Star Wars and things that we all kind of grew up with. Um, It's definitely cohesive across the board there. Um, but then in terms of the non-science fiction stories, of which there are very few, uh, the sense of humor and the sense of whimsy matches, but there's also some weird echoes. There's some thematic and visual echoes that I found when I started compiling, uh, especially what is now the first volume, because it's not uh, in the description of my Zoop campaign, but actually I already published Odds and Ends as a single volume um, in 2017 for San Diego Comic-Con, and it sold out. I only printed 50 copies of it. And so this was a little bit inspired by being asked about whether or not that was going to come back. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, if there's multiple people asking other people that I know if this book is coming back, I should just kind of see what I can do with it. It's not that expensive to print a graphic novel. I mean, it is, but it's not, you know. Um, and then I realized going through stuff, I'm like, wow, I've got a hundred more pages or so. So why don't I just try to do two volumes and I've got this other piece of color artwork. And that's one of the things too, is the two covers are, you know, color pieces that I did within the time frame of the stories that are included. Um, but I am actually going in and kind of like tinkering with things to make sure that it's up to my standards. So when you say, so I don't know if that answers your question. Sorry. Yeah. Are, are you good? Are you going back and, and could we think of this as like kind of a director's cut, like tweaking some things uh, visually or changing anything in the story, or is it just more about presentation? Basically, if it's not inked, I'm probably going to either ink it or put it in some sort of color process on the, on the iPad. Gotcha. Um and that's partially just for my druthers. It doesn't need to be done because when I when I published the first edition, I left it in pencil and people were perfectly happy with it. Although every once in a while, I would have somebody flip through it and be like, why is this section in pencil? And they would just sort of, you know, furrow their brow a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I and I would furrow mine back because I would basically say, well, you know, I just didn't have time to do it or whatever. And, and mm-hmm. you know, and that sort of has to do with the genesis of a lot of this work and that I was working on storyboards for some movies. I was working on concept design stuff. I was working on, I hired, you know, menu art, editorial art, whatever I could get my hands on. And so I was doing stuff on the side, but ultimately the paid work was what I was following uh, to completion a lot of times. So that's how I kind of found myself with this stack of stories. Um, 
And so, yeah, I mean, I've gotten in a place where I'm really enjoying inking for the first time in my life. It took me almost 45 years, but, you know, <laughs> better late than never. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of having fun going back to the old work and just dialing it up a little bit. And I, I want to make sure that people are getting their money's worth, too. There's definitely a little bit of that. It's not all about me. Right. Yeah, 100 uh, percent. Well, you mentioned um, and, and certainly if someone goes to your website, they'll see this um, a, a real science fiction kind of affinity uh, and you mentioned mm-hmm. that most of the stories in here are, are in that genre. What is it about mm-hmm. science fiction that you think lends itself to telling such a wide variety of stories and, and allows you to explore the theme, themes that interest you as a storyteller? Well, I think most artists would probably laugh at this, but at the beginning, it probably had to do with laziness because you don't have to refer to anything that exists to start drawing <laughs> a whole right. setting. Um, but that's not actually, you know, I mean, pretty quickly I got past that point because I started to realize that, I mean, my movie tastes, anybody who knows me will tell you any of the comics, any of the books, any of the movies that I consume, it's it's all science fiction. And I really like hard science fiction and speculative fiction, things that are just a stone's throw away from where we are now. Um, but I think just a slight remove, and this is true for period pieces too, a slight remove from our time makes it so much easier to turn the mirror around on our time and say something without it feeling didactic or preachy. You know, and I, I think I, I fell in love with that idea you know, things like RoboCop and stuff where it's it's a hell of a lot of fun to watch it and it's ultra violent and all that stuff. But then when you break it down, you're like, actually, this is a cutting social commentary. I mean, right. it just slices our modern era to pieces all over the place. And there's a lot of movies like that. And there's a lot of great science fiction comics like that. And I, you know, I read a lot of uh, science fiction comics in the 80s. And there's some incredible stuff like Martha Washington Goes to War and things like that, where it just really hits the hammer, hits the nail right on the head, you know. So I don't know, I, I'm just very attracted to it. And, and then, you know, you really get to play visually, you know, getting like, to the to the other side of the coin of laziness and flipping it over and realizing that if you actually put some effort into it, and you start just dreaming your visuals into existence. There's really something special about science fiction for me. Yeah, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Uh, certainly holding up a, a mirror to our society. It goes back to something I say all the time, which is you can really kind of judge a society or or, or find out the things that are important to them by the fictions that they create. Like, what are they mm-hmm. telling stories about? Then that's what you know matters to them. So uh, I think that's especially true of, of science fiction. Uh, well, for people that are joining the campaign, you mentioned um, reprinting this this book of which there was only 50 copies previously, uh, kind of the first volume of Odds and Ends. Obviously, there's going to be a second volume. What are some of the other rewards? Uh, and I should mention, everybody, we're, we're recording this before it goes live. The Zoop campaign goes live on uh, January 10th. So not exactly sure when. Is that right? Yeah, right. pretty close, pretty close. We, yeah. we pushed it okay. one more week, before, okay. but that's so, okay. Yeah, so right in there, the, the 17th, I guess. Uh, so I'm not exactly sure when we're going to drop this. Um, so you might be able to go over to uh, the campaign right now. And certainly I'll put a link to the show notes um, for the campaign when the, when the time comes. But uh, do you have an idea of what some of the other tiers, um, like if somebody already has book one, can they just get book two? Like what are some of the, the rewards that are going to be offered? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm not probably going to separate the volumes because at this point I'm going to do some re-editing. Um, the, you know, you mentioned the narrative, the narrative flow comment that you made about the description. There's also a second part to that statement, which is that it is also somewhat chronological, you know, from the time they were created through now. So it kind of goes from past all the way to present, more or less unbroken. And so once I realized that I had so much more material, I realized that some of that went in between chapters that were already published in the first edition. So I'll be pushing some of those, you know, stories back into the first edition now. Um, so I feel like people will be missing out if I let them do that, but it's not going to be a huge, you know, expensive barrier to entry to get all that stuff. Um, but to, to specifically answer your question, um, 
I'm kind of thinking of this as a, as a, a super secret mega launch of my brand monkey gong, because I've already been launching it at conventions uh, for a while, but I haven't really done a big public launch of it. And because I have been planning on doing something that I'm calling a subscription to print program uh, on my website, which is not, it hasn't launched yet for a number of reasons, largely just because I decided to start doing conventions. Once I found myself with a stack of books that were ready to print, um, I basically got myself in a position where I will have multiple stories coming out this year, brand new stories in addition to odds and ends. And so uh, as soon as odds and ends is funded, the next thing that you can get I'm trying to decide what the structure of the rewards are, because we're still recording ahead of the campaign. But uh, in addition to a massive 2022 sketchbook, uh, there is a book called Sojourners that I'm really enjoying working on. It's a simian space odyssey with super smart space monkeys being sent back through time to save us from ourselves, essentially. Uh, and then a book called Technopolis. And both of those, I will have the first graphic novel of like two or three graphic novels, you know, so 45, uh, 40, you know, 60 pages. I'm not exactly sure what the total page count is going to be, um, but I am dialing out those right now. Like I'm actually finishing the last couple of pages of drawing of Technopolis for the first chapter and uh, Sojourners. I just have a little bit of inking left to do. And those are good to go as well. So it, it's really just, you know, help me launch this thing. That's kind of what this campaign is. I'm just jumping up and down and saying it's time to launch. So um, there's a lot of stuff. And then, you know, if we get, you know, really high in the, in the uh, past, the funding goal, then I kind of want to make the two volume odds and ends into a single hardback edition. Um, but I don't, I don't know if I want to throw that out there as the, just the chief goal, because uh, hardbacks can be, you know, they're very heavy to ship. They're very expensive to print, you know, but sure would be fun. Yeah. And I would encourage everybody. And again, I'll put a link in the show notes to, uh, to Craig's website, go check it out. It'll give you a really good idea if this is something that, that interests you. Uh, certainly interests me. I love sci-fi and Craig's art is, is fantastic. So um, definitely go and check it out. Um, you know, you talked about uh, this being chronological and even going back and filling in some of those gaps from that uh, limited edition um, uh, first volume of Odds and Ends. One of the things that I hear a lot from creators when they go back and look at previous work is they they kind of cringe and they kind of, oh, man, did I really do that? Was there any of that when you went back and, and looked at it or were you a little bit more objective about it? I'm curious. I mean, I will say the stuff that really made me feel that way undeniably did not make the cut. So, you know, there's a whole comic that I did for uh, Ronin Studios, I think it was called. And it was a 2012, you know, Mayan calendar apocalypse thing that I don't think ever got published. And that's actually where the cover of the first volume comes from. But the majority of that book, I just looked at it and was like, there's no way I can't even, even if I were to go, I mean, it's just because it's already inked. So it would just be so much work to go in and fix it. Um, but then anything beyond that, I don't know. I mean, uh, I'll, I'll tell you a secret that I am really only going to start spreading the word on, I guess, right now. Uh, but when I was going to put the Technopolis graphic novel out, one of the things that I like about that project is that uh, it wasn't really planned as part of my launch slate. It actually was a book that I had huge sections of sitting around my house, partially finished, you know, partially unfinished. And I've been working with the character that's in that for quite a long time because it's a little bit of a self-portrait, kind of a personal tale. Um, and I had a good friend come over, great comic artist, Mike Dubish. Uh, we had what was called Comics Camp because he lives in Mexico now. So he came up to just visit for like six days. And all we did was sit around in my studio and work on our own books because he's republishing something uh, and wanted to tinker with the artwork a little bit himself. And we were sitting around. I 
just happened to show him this section of the book and he's like, dude, you got a graphic novel. And I was like, come on, this is really old and blah, 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 just hemming and hawing because it may not necessarily be my exact current style. But then when I started to look at finishing it, I was kind of like, well, it is, it's, it's basically the proto version of my current style. And what happened was that that got interrupted by actually some, some very challenging work where I got better as an artist, but because it was just unfinished enough, I've been able to go back and, and again, bump it up in quality just a little bit. And so a lot of the, a lot of the work in that book is actually going, going to be 10 years old and it's, it's weird to be working on it. Um, but then, you know, I remember when I first read the goon with Eric Powell, the first story is something that he did years before he did the rest of those stories. Mm -hmm. And even he, you know, has uh, an opening where he just basically says, look, like this is the origin of this character. Don't judge me too harshly. But then I looked at it. I'm like, this is still a really good comic book artist. It doesn't necessarily have to be the exact same, you know, person that is now handing me their current book. But it speaks for itself, I think. It still fits perfectly into my canon of imagination, and, and it still is my style, obviously. So I don't know. I think um, I'm just basically taking that mindset and trying to apply it to anything that I'm finishing up for odds and ends. And it actually has inspired me to do more inking on the stuff that was in pencil. I think when I was originally planning this campaign, I was just going to let the pencil ride and just leave it as is, you know, boost the levels in Photoshop, and it looks good, you know, it's readable, whatever. But I'm actually, it's making me more excited to deliver this book, uh, these books rather, you know, so. See what yeah, happens. I mean, I, I, I've been reading comics for, you know, 40 plus years, and I, I certainly don't mind when I see uh, an artist's style evolve. I, I find it kind of interesting to see how it can change over time. And it might be that it changes to a style I like a little less or a little more, but it doesn't, uh, that doesn't really affect how interesting it is to see how things change and and the journey that artistically, because I think as a creative, whether you know a writer or an artist, you want to keep challenging yourself. You want to keep evolving, and it's always in service of telling the best story possible, right? That's exactly what I was just going to say. Yeah, it really comes down to is the story being told, and if you're getting something out of it, and you're being you know immersed into a world, then what's the problem? Who cares? You know, and I'll throw big budget comics under the bus a little bit. And this is not to complain about any particular company, but I mean, I'm sure we've all had the experience where you're reading just to take an example, like an X-Men comic or a Batman comic. That's a, there's a trade, right? And it's multiple issues and you're reading it and you're just absolutely eating up one of the artists. And then you get to the next chapter and it, it's just like, burp, 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 you know, the yeah. sad clown horn, the artwork just hits the skids and it's not good. It's not even good storytelling a lot of times because they're, the deadlines are so harsh for that type of comic, especially, you know, I don't know. I can't speak to what the deadlines are now because I'm mostly self-publishing, but in the nineties and, and aughts, the deadlines were brutal. I mean, absolutely brutal. So there were people just cranking out books in a week. Sometimes I hear stories from people where they're like, yeah, I basically wrote, you know, pen, uh, pencil and ink that in a week and then handed it off to the colorist and they got it. They had a week and they put the whole book together in two weeks or three weeks or something like that. Yeah. There's no way that it's going to be clear storytelling and that you're not going to miss something or that the quality is going to be as high as it could be. You know, um, I, I kind of believe in putting out the best comic possible. And hopefully that won't hold up the schedule for stuff in the future. Uh, luckily, I've got a lot of work done ahead of time for right now. But, you know, I, I would just much more prefer to be able to look back on it and, and actually enjoy it myself. I don't want to look at something in 20 years and be like, God, why the hell did I not just take another week on that? Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. So. Well, going with this publish on demand model that you that you mentioned, you're hoping to get off the ground at, at your website. Are you thinking like like one release a year, two, three, four? Like what? Like ideally, what would be... Um, your your schedule to to drop new content well right now i have um 
I have five stories banked, um, two of which are almost done inking, which we haven't even discussed. And then I've got the Sojourners and Technopolis stories that I'm inking um, and more pages coming from those all the time because I'm really enjoying those stories. Uh, so I think the first year, I mean, it kind of depends on how much you know of my energy getting all the fulfillment done for this campaign takes. But I think I'm going to put out five stories in 2023 five new stories. So I don't know exactly what the format of it is yet. I mean, it's just an idea of subscription to print. I, I wanted to do kind of like a, a chapter a week, you know, paywall behind the paywall release. Um, and then once the book was compiled, I would send you the printed copy just as part of your subscription. And that's essentially giving away a business model that I think is a really strong business model by saying that. But you know, I mean, hopefully I'll get it off the ground ASAP. So that's not a problem, but I mean, I don't care if somebody else uses it. It's not proprietary. Right. Um, it's I, I just I just think it's a good idea in terms of the way things are now. And, and as much as I love crowdfunding, it, it is it's just like conventions. And I love conventions, too. But both of them are helping to fracture the comics landscape because the direct market isn't what it used to be. Like when we used to just hang out for hours after school at the comic book shop, you can still do that. But so many of the books that are published, you know, through Kickstarter, through Zoop or, you know, just self-published at conventions are not are not available there unless that, that particular publisher knows that shop owner or puts the puts in the legwork to get it in that shop you know a lot of that stuff can't get into diamond so there's no previews for it there's no pre-ordering you know unless the the shop owner themselves is savvy and following individual creators i mean it's just really you know who is in control of keeping that cohesive nobody but in a way that's amazing because i think that that's how comics has survived over the last decade or so but i also it, it, it's just one of those things where i would like i would love to see it be more cohesive somehow i think but uh for me i'm just getting around that by basically saying you know if you follow everything that's happening on the site behind the paywall and you're paying the monthly fee i'm just going to make sure it's a little more than your typical membership fee but that's because i'm compiling a printed book for you and i'm going to ship it to you so you know there's also other rewards and stuff too but um yeah i think it's a fun idea that's just yeah, giving I me a, i think it's a fantastic a idea because here's the biggest and i don't want to say drawback because it's it's not necessarily a drawback it's it's just sort of the reality of of crowdfunding you want to support an artist that you're a fan of they don't have all that infrastructure you know that is the one thing that the the big publishers have you know they have a bunch of other people to handle the logistics um, they have that infrastructure with pr getting books printed and shipping, distribu uh, distribution, all that sort of thing. It, it, so when you crowdfund something, then you have to wait in between, especially if it's an ongoing series. That that is the part that kind because we're just all used to the monthly model, you know, as, as mm -hmm. you know, Wednesday Warriors or whatever you want to call it. So I think it's a fantastic idea that you know, as you're working on the book, you, hey, here's your weekly installment, you know, even if it's just digitally, and then you get the you know, the, the physical copy later. I, I, yeah, I think it's a fantastic, uh, a fantastic idea. So best of luck with that. Um, Thanks. So as we're, um, as we're winding down here, is, is there anything like if anybody is, is on the fence about joining this campaign odds and ends to like, what would you say to somebody um, who to kind of push them over the edge and say, Hey, let's jump on board the, uh, the Craig Rasmussen train. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're a big fan of original science fiction and, and kind of getting the vision of a, I guess I'm an author. I, I never use that word for myself, but, but, you know, the, the overall uh, ethos of my stories, I think is trying to say something every single story, even Sojourners, which is a zany space adventure as much as I can make it, it's still going to be saying something. There's a, there's a climate commentary in there. So there's always something 
to you know be taken away from these stories i think and i'm not saying that other creators don't do that but that's something that i'm proud of emphasizing in my own work um but also i just think there's a huge variety of things in here there's not just science fiction it's so many different kinds of science fiction or or science fiction in different settings if you will um and then along with the humor i think it really gets you something but then there's also you know there's a a king david adaptation where it's something that i did for a, a tv pitch that was usurped by another king david show that went to air just as we were getting ready to pitch this comic <laughs> so it's one of those things that uh it is now going to find new life um going to be doing some work for gold key comics and they've expressed some interest in actually doing the full book of kingdom of david is the name of it so um there's there's something for everybody i guess what i'm trying to say and and i worked really hard to you know give the best art to these projects you know so I don't know if that's underselling it or if that's just the typical line that an artist would give you, but I'm really proud of this stuff. Um, I, I think there's some of my best stuff in there. Otherwise I wouldn't be publishing these, you know? So maybe that's a terrible pitch, but <laughs> no, that's, that's perfect. And again, listeners, uh, there'll be a link in the show notes for the campaign. Go check it out. I also highly encourage you hit that link in the show notes, go check out uh, Craig's website. You can see examples of soldiers and, and his other work there. And yeah, I mean, I, kind of challenged longtime readers and listeners go and check that out. And then like, why would you not like when you see the amazing artwork and storytelling that's there, why would you not want to jump on uh, this campaign? So, uh, and Thank you. La last thing that I'll mention as I always do when I have these crowdfunding guests on, um, even if this is not for you and you don't plan on joining the campaign or you would love to join the campaign, but you just don't have the means right now. The best way you can help out Craig is to share it on social media. As he was talking about earlier, you know, it's, it's hard to, the shelves are crowded, right? It's hard to get into comic shops. It's hard to get uh, your your work out there and and let people know about it. And the worst thing is when, man, you find out about a campaign after it's over. One of the good things about Zoop is you can usually still get the can uh, the book. Um, but again, the best thing, best way you can help them out, share this on social media, put it out there, let people know. So anybody who wants to join, anybody who's interested can go to the page, join the campaign and uh, and get this amazing book. So uh, again, best of luck with the campaign, Craig. I'll certainly update and this will go out everybody w when we have the official launch date. Um, and uh, yeah, best of luck, as I said, with the, the campaign. Thanks for taking the time. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate you having me on. You've had some great guests on the show, so I'm very happy to be a part of that. And yeah, uh, I hope people that. enjoy our chat. But uh, I do want to say also, you know, you can, I'm I'm probably going to make Sojourners and Technopolis available exclusive of Oz and Ends as just something you can purchase through the Zoop campaign as well. There's no reason not to do that. So you can always get the early editions from me if that's all you want to do. So yeah, definitely just support your independent creators however you can. Because the last thing that you want is to go over to somebody's house and be like, where did you get this book? Yeah. And they're like, well, sorry, it's a Kickstarter book or it's a Zoop book. So you don't have a chance to ever get this book, you know? Yeah. So if there's well, any motivating statement that I can make, that's that's it right there. There's yeah. just no chance to get this book otherwise. So, yeah, well, that's what I was go. thinking when you said, well, there is an odds and ends volume one out there already, but there's only 50 copies. They're all gone. I was like, oh, I'm one of those. <laughs> but now I have yeah. my Well, you know what else? Sorry. I don't, I don't mean to keep dragging it out, but. Uh, I discovered that once I put out that first odds and ends, I'd completely forgotten about this till recently until I saw an image online, but the odds and ends uh, title is a tradition among comic book creators. Richard Corbin himself put out an odds and ends compilation of lost stories. And I didn't know that when I put my first book out, I do know that now, but I mean, I'm not going to change the title because right. it seems, first of all, Richard Corbin is one of the greats of all time. He's been yeah. a huge influence on me. 
not in terms of the way I draw specifically, but the power of his storytelling is just mind bending. It's such good stuff. So I, I just would love to be in any close proximity or company with that guy. Yeah. Ser- serendipitous, uh, uh, selecting the same title. That's fantastic. So exactly. Uh, again, everybody link in the show notes, go check out the campaign, go check out Craig's website. Uh, you won't be sorry that you did. So we want to thank Craig for his time. We want to thank our listeners for joining us as always, and we'll talk to you next time. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash the comic source. Do a search for the comic source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening and we'll talk to you next time.